Hey everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing. It's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Hey folks, how you doing? Today's episode is brought to you by the ASPCA. I do this every year during the holidays. It's a kind of a tradition. What is the ASPCA? The uh, ASPCA is the American Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. You've seen the commercials. You know this song. The dogs in cages, the mangled cats blinking at the camera, longing for a proper home. Look, it's been a terrible year in a lot of ways been a terrible four four years and maybe you're out there and you're one of the lucky ones you're doing all right you've got a roof over your head you've got some means but perhaps you're a misanthrope maybe right now you're feeling like you're done with humanity maybe you've had enough it's hard to blame you but this is all the more reason to make a donation right now to the ASPCA Help some animals have a better life. Save some cats and dogs this holiday season. Cats and dogs who have been horribly mistreated through no fault of their own. Empty out your wallet, get in the spirit, and give some money to the ASPCA over at ASPCA.org. Again, that's ASPCA.org. ASPCA.org. Okay. Hello, everybody. How are you out there? Happy holidays. I'm Brad Listy. It's the holiday season. It's the holiday spectacular episode of the Other People podcast, the 2020 holiday spectacular episode. Fuck yeah. 2020, a year like no other, year of COVID, year of possibly the most consequential and stressful presidential election in American history. Today, on the program, on the Holiday Spectacular, I offer you a smorgasbord. In the spirit of the season and in the spirit of 2020, I did a Zoom party with about 10 writers. Actually, it wasn't a Zoom party, it was a Skype party because I'm the one guy in the world who still uses Skype. I'm old. With me were, uh, with me digitally were a bevy of writers. 
many but not all of whom have guested on this program uh, previously. They are Joseph Grantham, noted poet, my social media director, and the editor-in-chief of uh, The Nervous Breakdown. His latest collection, Raking Leaves, is out there right now. Juliet Escoria, also part of this gathering. She is the author of the very excellent novel, Juliet the Maniac. Bud Smith. I think he's been on this show twice in the past. He's the author uh, of many books, a very prolific young man. And uh, he's also written the hotly anticipated novel Teenager, which is going to be out from Vintage in 2022. Bud Smith. Who else? Leland Chuck. You know Leland. I talked to him on the show not too long ago. He's the author of No Good, Very Bad Asian and the founder of an indie press called 713 Books. Rachel Bell de Navai. Rachel Bell de Navai. She's the author of a novel called Loving the Ocean Won't Keep It From Killing You. She was here. She was there. She was with us. Megan Boyle, author of the epic novel Live Blog. I had an epic conversation with Megan on this uh, program earlier this year, I believe, or, or late last year. I can't even remember. But great to see Megan. Timothy Willis Sanders, author of Matt Meets Vic, a past guest on this program. Haven't caught up with him in a while. He was in the Skype amphitheater. There was my old friend Ben Laurie. You guys know Ben, right? He's the author of the short story collection Tales of Falling and Flying. Among other books, Gene Morgan, back again. My friend Gene Morgan, back again for another holiday spectacular. Gene is the founder of HTML giant, Mick Grantham. Co-founder with her brother, uh, Joseph, of the independent press called Disorder Press. Mick is a poet. She and her brother are poets. How adorable is that? Mick has a poetry collection called Hardcore that is due out from Short Flight Long Drive Books next year. And then Richard Chim, who was also on the show not too terribly long ago. He's the author of the novel King of Joy. He and I bonded over our shared love of uh, Robin, the music of Robin. He was very stoned when he made his last appearance on this show, admittedly so. He was not stoned in the Skype room, from what I recall. Anyway, we had a really good time. Everyone was together recently, and we talked, and you're going to hear that in just a second. But before we get there, I thought that, you know, seeing that it's the holidays, and it's the pandemic, and it's 2020, and all that 2020 entails, we're all exhausted. We've all been ground into uh, fine spiritual dust. I thought it might be nice to consecrate this holiday spectacular episode with some poetry. And so with that in mind, I uh, reached out to my friend Rich Ferguson. Rich has a new poetry collection due out in January from Moon Tide Press. It is called Everything is Radiant Between the Hates. 
And uh, just to give you a little taste, here we have Rich Ferguson performing a selection entitled Side Effects. Side effects may include bone fractures, hair loss, unmappable and unconquerable sadness, dizziness of dynamism, diminish well-being, optimism may experience difficulties in achieving orgasm. Visual, oral, and tactile hallucinations have been known to occur. Heart may become hacked, held for ransom. Your shadow may assume the shape of a smoking gun. Additional side effects may include acne, crying spells, bone marrow transformed into dead sparrows. Any and all butterflies in your stomach may flap wings, create inner hurricanes, tornadoes, un-tick-tock timelines of once stable quantum systems, alternative facts generated throughout the brain. Ringing in ears, loss of smell, your very next breath may file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Allergic reactions have All right, you guys, there you go. That is Rich Ferguson performing his poem, Side Effects, from his new collection, Everything is Radiant Between the Hates, due out in January from Moontide Press. I actually just spoke with Rich a minute ago. I thought I would share a little bit of that with you. I feel like Side Effects is kind of on brand for 2020. It's a little bit uh, hypochondriacal, if that's a word. You know what I mean. It speaks to something that's in the ether right now. So here I am talking with Rich Ferguson, and what you're going to hear us talking about is the fact that Rich is now the Beat Poet Laureate of the state of California. He was honored as such, and I'm kind of giving him shit for it, but I'm also congratulating him. Uh, we were, you know, we were catching up and talking about, uh, the new poetry collection, which once again is called Everything is Radiant Between the Hates, due out in January. So here I am, uh, briefly just talking with my buddy Rich Ferguson, the Beat Poet Laureate of the state of California. Yeah, I, I am, I I guess someone nominated me for it and it sort of came completely out of the blue. It wasn't anything that I was aware of. And, you know, it's really kind of interesting with something like that, you know, automatically I think of like, well, goodness, you know, what am I going to do with this? But also, you know, there are other people equally deserving of something like this. And so, you know, I, I don't know. It's so, yeah, I, yes. I am. And, you know, had we not been in COVID right now, it might be easier for me to do sort of outreach activities based upon this award or whatever. So, you know, I I was going to say, I was going to say, what is the Beat Poet Laureate? I mean, you are sitting for people who can't see you. You're sitting in a throne right now in your home. (laughs) My bouncy Pilates ball. Oh, is that what it? Okay. And then like, but what does the Beat Poet Laureate like? Do you have responsibilities? Do they give you like a scepter? Like, what do you get? No, well, I well, I got a. Uh, they gave me a plaque. All right. <laughs> so, uh, but besides the plaque, they didn't really give me quote unquote responsibilities. I almost wish they did because it would kind of make it easier because I could kind of go through it like a to do list or something. But I'm sort of left to my own devices as far as what I do. So I've been. You know, reaching out to different people, trying to do different collaborations. I recently did some work with the uh, South Carolina Poetry Society, 
uh, helping to judge like a poetry contest and different things. And, you know, when I'm teaching, it kind of makes it a little harder to, you know, do what I can for like the poetry related stuff. But, you know, when I have more time, I'm always looking to, you know, find different people I can collaborate with or other things I can do to sort of honor this position. Do your, stu- do your fifth grade students know that you're the B Poet Laureate of the state of California? <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, they know I do poetry, but I, I haven't really said, quote unquote, that, that, that I'm the B Poet Laureate of Cali, of Cali, <laughs> of, of Cali, no, of California. Um, I feel like you should yeah. lord that. I feel like you should be waving that plaque at them during uh, your Lord zoo. that over them, yeah. Uh, well, Rich, yeah. I'm happy to talk with you, man. I, I congratulate you on the new collection. Uh, happy holidays. Are you going to be in Los Angeles? Are you going to be here? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yes, I'm here. All right, buddy. Well, and happy holidays to you and yours, Brad. Yeah, it's good to see your face, and uh, best of luck in, in the new year. Yeah, yeah. All right, you guys. There you go. That's Rich Ferguson. Everything radiant, or everything is radiant between the hate. Or no, I fucked that up. Everything is Radiant Between the Hates. That's the name of the new poetry collection due out from Moontide Press in January. So having said that, I I think we should get to the holiday party. The 2020 holiday gathering in the Skype Amphitheater. I believe it's time, folks. Happy holidays out there to everybody, to you. I hope you're hanging in there. It's almost 2021. Here we go. I hope this episode can keep you company it's a little bit messy but this year was a little bit messy everything's a little bit messy all right here we go happy holidays hey everybody if you are a writer or an aspiring writer or if you just love literature i have a book for you it's called truth is the arrow mercy is the bow a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing, it's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Wait, was that your cat, Joseph? Those are my cats are like getting into it. Um, yeah, I think that uh, we can solve some like the biggest problems in this thing today. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to welcome everybody to the uh, holiday spectacular, and I thought that it might be interesting to begin with a conversation involving eggnog because I've never once in my life had a sip of eggnog. 
And Where? the reason is that huh? I just I find the word itself I, f- I find it offensive like phonetically <laughs> like eggnog like I just think this word is ugly I don't want to eat I don't want to nothing that is named eggnog should pass my lips is my attitude. <laughs> Which are, word is worse, the egg or the nog? I think it's the coupling. I think it's the you know I don't think I, in isolation either word would offend me nearly as much as they do when they're conjoined. <laughs> So if it was like some some like melon nog, you'd be okay with it. <laughs> I I probably have some hesitation, but eggs in general, I have a complicated relationship with eggs. I think they're. What do you do to them? Nothing. I don't. I don't eat them. I don't eat eggs. What if it was like, what if it was like egg juice? Would it be better than? <laughs> Does nog even mean anything by itself? Yeah, like, is, I, I was gonna ask. I feel like it's. Is it an Irish word? I, I just googled Irish. it. It sounds like something like an Irish person. It's a piece of wood? Piece Google of says wood. a small piece of wood or a character from Star Trek DS9. <laughs> <laughs> so, is anybody currently drinking eggnog? I think I'm the only one. It's Are a... you really drinking eggnog, Joey? Yeah, 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 you have to, you have to. Um... Does it have alcohol in it, or is it just no. straight up? No, Joey, that's like kind of gross. It's almond nog, okay? Oh, okay, so, but wait, this was my question. This was my next question is, is eggnog traditionally an alcoholic beverage, or is it, can you have it either way? So I love alcohol. eggnog, and every time I tell somebody that, they're, like, thinking I'm just drinking alcohol. So apparently, like, the more traditional way is to have alcohol in it, but I don't understand why anyone would fucking drink whiskey with milk, and it doesn't sound appealing to me at all. Oh, see? Is it whiskey? <laughs> Is whiskey what people put in it? Whatever, whatever. whatever in it. Well, I think, I think it's rum, though. I thought it was brandy. Either way, it's disgusting. Look, I, I am drinking <laughs> almond nog and <laughs> with nutmeg in it, and I think it's it's not that good. But I do like. I'm an eggnog fan. All right, so Dad, would you eat? Would you drink eggnog if it was almond nog? No egg, just almond and a nog. I might. I'm almond nog. I could. But I could potentially engage kind of with. Okay. I, it is occurring to me now, guys, perhaps like a little bit too late, that we should try to just like have you guys ID yourselves right at the top of, of this episode so that people listening can try their best to keep track. So why don't we go around the room here and just quickly introduce ourselves so people can hear your voices and your name at the same time. And we'll start in the back with uh, Leland Chuck. I should add, too, that everybody in the room here has been... Uh, well, no, Rachel, I have yet to speak with you on the program, but it's going to happen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and me. Um, and Mick. But, you know. Uh, and Mick. Oh, two and Mick. women in the room. Have yeah. yeah, that's on the a surprise. Oh, sort of interesting. Uh, but I have, I have some familiarity with all of you. And uh, we'll start with Leland. Leland, we spoke, I don't know how, much, uh, how long ago, but why don't you just say hello, introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah, I'm Leland Chuck. Uh, my last book was No Good, Very Bad Asian. I run a run an independent press uh, named 713 Books as well. And uh, Brad, we talked last fall before this madness. I feel like you were into masks like way before it was cool, Leland. Like you, uh, <laughs> yes. Leland had a like a crazy like health situation that we talked about in his episode. And I think when you traveled out to California, you were like wearing a mask in the airport and like you're yeah, completely. Yeah, so you've always. probably been 
you were kind of ready for this, maybe to a degree oh, that others. Plenty of masks, plenty of gloves. Yeah, All we of were, it. We were ready. Um, but I had a bone marrow transplant in uh, like six years ago. So, you know, in my immune system, like it was like three years before I actually got vaccinated. So I was like anti-vax for like three years. <laughs> not, I mean, in practice, but not in reality. You know? Right. You just have to wait until your immune system grows back enough that you can actually take those shots and have it not kill you. So. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome, Leland. It's good to have you here. Joseph Grantham, you in the back row. Why don't you say hello? Hello. <clears throat> My name is Joseph Grantham. Um, I made some coffee before this, and now I can't find it. Um, and that's sort of just my personality. Um, it's just like who I am. All right. Uh, Ju- Julia. Julia. Uh, Juliet Escoria is uh, there in the second to last row. Hello, Juliet. Hello. And... You can refer to me as Julia or Juliet. Either is fine. Yeah, you've got like a double situation happening. You can you you have multiple names. Yes, I contain multitudes, or at least a pair. <laughs> Richard Chim, hello. What's up, y'all? I'm Richard Chim. Uh, I'm an Aries, Scorpio Moon, Leo Rising. It's good to meet. You. Good to see everybody. All right, uh, Mick Grantham, hello. Hello, I'm Mick Grantham. I'm in New Orleans. I don't know where the screen just went, but I'm here. <laughs> so I can't see anybody at all. For some reason, I can only see this chat, this side chat thing. You got to get out of it and go back into like the Roman. What is it called? Because it's like a, it's like a stone bench, like Greek nature. <laughs> it's like a I nature mean, theater. Yeah. Should we be sitting on it though? Like I don't get that we're like submerged <laughs> like, into the sea. Yeah. Legless. <laughs> I can't see what anyone is talking about. I'm just imagining it. Oh, now Mick is oh, now Mick together is, mode. Right now <laughs> Mick has jumped to the front row. Uh, I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you, Rachel. Ben Laurie. Thanks. Ben Laurie, say hello, Ben. Hello, Ben. Hi, it's me. This is my voice. You'll be able to recognize me because I'm the one who will never say anything. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel Bell, go ahead. Hi, I'm Rachel Bell. Uh, I'm in Queens. Actually, my last name's not Bell anymore, but the new one is too hard, so we're just gonna do. <laughs> we're just gonna go by Bell. All right. I want to hear it. I, I I read it all the time. I want to hear this. Uh, this yeah, name. it's it's De Navai Labatu. Damn. Nice. Wow. That's a name. <laughs> and also with you. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Willis Sanders, go ahead. Uh, my name is Timothy Willis Sanders. Um, I, um, I made some coffee and, uh, I know exactly where it is and that's my personality. So <laughs> thanks. Gene Morgan. Hi, Gene Morgan here. This is the first time I've ever been sober on your show, Brad. So <laughs> hell yeah, 1230. <laughs> hey, that's, you know, there's no reason why you can't, uh, imbibe or, or smoke something at 1230 on Friday. Uh, this is my lunch break. Right? I, I got you. Okay. Uh, Megan Boyle, front row with the with the headset on. Julia and Megan <laughs> rocking the, like, customer service headsets. That's right. It is a customer service headset, though I no longer use it for that purpose. Are you done? But with, this are is you, Megan Boyle. Are you done huh? with your customer service uh, career? Or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I got, thankfully, laid off from that. So. Oh, good for you. Nice. Okay, but you still have the headset. 
Megan. <laughs> I said Megan, but you still have the headset. Oh, yeah, I still got the headset. Okay, well, they let you keep it. That's nice. And uh, I think we're supposed to have Adam Greenfield here, but he might not be, I don't know where he is, and Bud Smith could come in later. But that's uh, that's everybody's voices, for those of you listening at home, if you can try to keep track of that. And I thought, um, you know, as we continue this discussion of eggnog uh, and to try to keep things in the holiday spirit, I would also ask you guys if you've got uh, like a favorite like Christmas film or is there a favorite Christmas like or holiday tradition that you look forward to or do you hate this time of year? I have mixed feelings about it. Like where do people stand uh, like on that, like, is this something that you're like excited about? And do you have little like rituals and traditions that you look forward to, or is it just something that you endure quietly? I like the tree. <laughs> do you have a tree? Hell yeah. No, I don't have a tree. That would take a lot of effort, but <laughs> when someone around me gets a tree and I get to look at it, then I like that. Yeah, I like I a tree. I don't like putting all the stuff on it, but I like sitting in the room with a tree when it's all lit up and looks nice. Okay, me too. Let me ask you guys this. White Christmas lights or colored Christmas lights? <laughs> Both are wow. good. Wow, Brad, you can't do <laughs> <laughs> No, but do you have a preference? I'm a, I like the, I feel like there's something a little bit classier about the, like, the pristine white Christmas light. Arrangement. Stop. Stop right there, buddy. <laughs> Brad's but PR I'm gonna team is checking in. The, the multicolored ones are better because they're like tacky in a nice way. Yeah, and then yeah, like, kitchen. but then there's also like the bigger bulbs and then the miniature bulbs. <clears throat> do we have like, who, where where do we all land on this? I don't think size matters. When it comes <laughs> to- <laughs> I, I mean, as long as you've got them. Hey, I mean, that's what counts. And it's how you use them, too, how you light them up. And, and the motion that's in them. <laughs> yeah, like the icicle lights. How are you oh, guys? Bicycle. Is anybody's house decorated? Is anybody's place of residence decorated? Yeah, mine is a lot. Yeah. Internally? Or... Menorah. Oh, yeah. I like it over now. Okay, so Mick, you had a menorah. Who's got the outside of their house decorated? Anyone? I do. I have lights. Okay, I got. We have some lights too, and some poinsettias. I don't know why that's a thing, but we Carrie got some poinsettias. Uh, Is that how you say that? Is I that how you pronounce that? I don't know. I don't even know. They're poinsettias. Just, poinsettias. The elocution poinsettias. is pronunciation. Gene, uh, I'm surprised your your house is not decorated in Pasadena. It's kind of decorated. I mean, we have like really crappy dollar store decorations up. My favorite, the thing that I love is we have this outhouse Santa Claus that if you push a button, Santa tells you about his poop. <laughs> what does he say? And that's that's my thing. That's, that's, I have to hit that every time I walk by it. And Santa tells is me, it like, like a, oh, dear. That's awesome. Like a, yeah, he like, says stuff day. like, oh, I'm not a TP. Guess I'm going to have to use my naughty list. <laughs> 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 and how so that's my decoration yeah. and, and does anybody else have anything uh like useful to say around decorations or can we move on to the next topic oh um i ordered a a playmobile nativity set off of ebay because like they don't make it anymore and it's the one that i had when i was a child 
and it brings me great joy. Oh. How come they don't make it? I, they stopped making it in 2000. Um, yeah, I really like it. Did you have a religious this episode of the Other People Podcast is brought to you by Playmobil. <laughs> I want to bring in another corporate sponsor, which is Seize Candies. Which are oh one yeah, of my favorite parts of Christmas time. I can, I can, like, I'm like a sorority girl. I'll just eat an entire box of that shit. Like, Carrie will come into the kitchen, and I'll just be standing over, you know, like the mixed. Do you, do you get like the box that has like a variety pack? Yeah. I can eat in like an embarrassing amount of those in one session. Which one that don't you? Embarrassing eat, Brad? or impressive? What's that? Which one don't you eat? <laughs> I don't know. There's some of them that I think are, are not as good as the other ones. I like the ones with caramel in them. And then there's like these ones that are sort of fruity. <laughs> Do you know I don't what I'm like t- the sticks. <laughs> like the maple sticks are gross. Yeah. The toffee stick thing. No, toffee's good, but the, the, the skinny like rectangle ones, those are gross. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like funny. So this brings Brad, to mind. Those aren't vegan. I just want to let you know. <laughs> I, I know. Sometimes you transgress. Uh, I want to say, too, though, this brings to mind mixed nuts. And I just think, like, mixed assortments of things. I think they're... Brad, you're going to get canceled again. I thought, I heard, I heard it listening. as mixed. I thought you were talking about my nuts for a second. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I need, to, I, need a, I need to get some consensus on mixed nuts. Um, but I, I feel like, in general, whether it's C's Candies or it's... Um, mixed nuts that there are certain elements of these mixes that everybody sort of hates and that we should just do away with like don't we all just want the almonds and the cashews do we really want the other ones do you know what i'm talking about i don't even know what they're called like Chex mix same thing same thing what do we want in Chex mix we want the checks and then we want the candy or whatever and garden is this like a holiday thing or why are we Gardettos. It's terrible because you just like get burnt out on the little crisp chips. It's, it's on the too money. much. You have to have the yeah. shitty pieces in there. That's true. That's true. Wow. Well, and then the things that get left for last. So then you still have something, even though it's the thing you left for last. Like those nasty maple yeah. sticks. But then I still, but I still <laughs> eat them. The thing is, is that I, I will. They'll they'll be sitting there, and I'll walk past the box, and I'll just be like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna eat these too," and then I eat those. Well, they're better than nothing. Right. I like those popcorn things that have a like the cheddar popcorn and the caramel popcorn and yes. the butter popcorn, and it's like four little things in a tin. You want to know uh, something funny, Mick? I, yeah. uh, Carrie, and I for like I want to say like four or five years running, every single Christmas would get a giant cylindrical tin of exactly that like arrangement of popcorn from Annette yeah. Benning and Warren Beatty because <laughs> what? yeah because the woman who used to live in our house I guess like worked in the movie industry and somehow worked on one of their projects or something and they would just they had her on the Christmas list but never took her off so we just would get this awesome popcorn from Warren That's Beatty great. and we didn't we didn't get it this year it didn't come yet I so. might have to go get one of those later from yeah. somewhere it's so good but then everybody, what I notice in my household is that everybody eats the caramel and the cheddar first. Like it's not, I just what like, is the third option even? It's but, like they do one butter option. Yeah. Who's I they? Like the, not at the movie. The, the popcorn guys. 
Um, Annette Benning is a famous lover of popcorn. Like that's... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say of mine. Yeah, that wasn't an accident. She's famously known for her love of popcorn. She was in the Orville Redenbacher biopic. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, do you guys... Um, do you guys like Christmas music? I have some playing. I'm trying to get in the spirit of things. Like, what's our, I mean, we've talked about our relationship with some of, like, the treats and Christmas lights, but, like, what about music? Is this something we embrace, or is this something we shun? The Muppet Christmas. The one with John Denver, is that it? Yeah, yeah, that one's really yes. good. That's uh-huh. like that's like a musical album? It's, you know, songs. John Denver. Okay, I didn't, I didn't know if it was like a movie or if it was like it's actually like an album. No, it's an album. Okay, yeah. I'll have to check that out. What about uh, what about everyone else? Anyone else? Does anyone hate Christmas music? Yeah, I actually listen to it all year round, so this is just kind of normal for me. <laughs> Wait, for real? Nah. <laughs> Prank. Nah. Are you pranking me? Are you serious? Or are you being silly? Oh, I'm being silly, Brad. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, but does anyone not like Christmas music? Is anyone willing to go on the record and just say they, they hate it? I'm generally, like, not a huge fan of Christmas music, but I will listen to the covers by some indie rocker or something that always comes out. There's always, like, some sort of holiday compilation album but from uh, all the latest indie rockers of the year. But I find, I find that instrumental is more tolerable. If there's too much singing, that's where I start to lose it. Like I, good point. it gets the seeming manic if there's people singing at me, but if it's just like the instrumental in the background, I can sort of get into it. I like the I'll... Killers when they come out with Christmas songs because I love the Killers because they're a really cool indie band. Just kidding. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I just wait. I just watched. Uh, I just watched that that show Song Exploder about the Killers last night. Oh yeah, where they dissect a song. Have you seen this on Netflix? I haven't seen the new ones yet. I've seen the, I saw last season where they did like Losing My Religion and yeah. you know, a couple other songs. It's kind of a cool show. Like they take a song and they sit down with the musician and they sort of dissect how it was built. And uh, they the did Losing one... My Religion one was cool. Yeah, that one was really cool. Yeah, yeah. So my mom cried when REM broke up. You did, or they're your still, mom? They're still together. My mom didn't they break up? I remember my mom crying about it. Ooh. <laughs> Wait, who's talking? I can't see who's talking. Maybe talk- that was just a dream she had. It's Rachel. Oh, it's, it's Rachel. Rachel. She disappeared. Ra- she vanished she's- from the from the. Uh, you left know. the. Uh, but her her spirit is definitely still with us. <laughs> <laughs> We've been uh, singing. I love Vince Guaraldi Trio, the Charlie Brown, the classic. You oh, gotta- yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. Put that bad boy on, sit next to the tree, look at all the wrapped presents, think about what you might be getting for Christmas, <laughs> open them on Christmas, send pictures of all your presents to your friends, compare, see who got the best stuff. <laughs> I like the Mariah Carey song, but then my stepdaughter ruined it by like listening to it on repeat. Did you guys see uh, that song... Is that I don't want a lot for Christmas or what, what's it? All I want for Christmas is you, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you see yeah. after the uh, election results were confirmed, one of the times that they were confirmed, did you see that dance video that went around the internet where everyone was at a gas station dancing to that song? No. You, you missed out. It was, I uh, saw it, yeah. Who, who saw it? Jane, you saw it? 
Yeah, I saw it. It, it was uh, people celebrating at like an LA gas station, and they were just <laughs> blasting Mariah Carey. It was really, it was nice. I, what yeah, a nice I, moment. I, yeah, yeah, what I gas station? It was down in, I think it was in K-Town. I'm not sure. Like, I'm not entirely sure. I couldn't see any street signs, but I think I read something that was where it was. But it was kind of this like spontaneous, exuberant, late night dance party in a gas station that sort of seemed like a lo-fi music video. It was kind of cool. I always get excited when I hear about things that are happening outside of my house. <laughs> right? <laughs> so close yet. So let's talk about let's talk about twenty twenty. Let's uh let's like how has everyone's experience of this been? Who's been like most quarantining versus people who might be I don't know flying around or doing things that are riskier like who's hated it who's sort of enjoyed it i feel like as writerly people it's it's kind of a natural <clears throat> mode anyway like does anyone have thoughts on this uh, i've seen one person for coffee in 10 months that's it <laughs> like, yeah damn that's wild but you got it you have to be super careful right like you can't venture out right you know, I mean, I'm pretty. No I feel like I'm pretty like uh, normal now, like like everybody else. But I think uh, we're just more conservative, and uh, you know, it got, got pretty crazy in New York in the spring. So we were hearing am ambulances at all hours. So it's you know, we we're, we're yeah, we're being careful. The refrigerator trucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fucked. What about masks? Well, yeah. Do you guys get into like like festive masks or like do you have like a? I feel like in Los Angeles, there's something like it's become like yet another like fashion item. Either you have fashion. To... I heard I heard that like one in twenty people in Los Angeles County have COVID now. Is that true? Uh, it was one in eighty-five like two days ago, and it's escalating oh, rapidly. Yeah, it's not far off. Yeah, it's yeah, a mess. It's wild. It's a complete <laughs> it's mess. Wild. Um, but yeah, like, what are some? Did you guys? What did you? What did you learn about yourselves this year? Like, has this taught us anything valuable? Have you? Like, I feel like there have to be some silver linings um, to having, like, kind of an, a weirdly inward year, even if it's been difficult. Has anyone, like, come away with this with any insight that feels like it's worth sharing? I got no, a lot started... of money. got <laughs> <laughs> a lot of money. That's awesome. I have more money now than I've ever had. I mean, it's not a lot, but, you know, it's like a few thousand dollars to my name. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's a good year. COVID profiteering. Did you buy a PS4, Joey? Yeah, Joey. I bought a TV. I bought a PS4. <laughs> you spent all the... your. You spent all that unemployment money. I still got some. But, uh... <laughs> you love the government tea. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you won't find me far away from the government tea. If you... <laughs> hey, uh, I feel like I, I need to, I forgot to ask this earlier. I meant to ask this earlier, but what is the story behind Hanukkah? I feel like this is something I should know, and I sadly do not know what, Oh yeah. I don't even, I have no idea what Hanukkah yeah. even is. Wow. Yeah. Neither do I, and we've been like singing the Hanukkah songs <laughs> and lighting the menorah every night, and every time I ask Max, my partner, to tell me the story, he just says, it's the festival of lights. <laughs> but didn't they have to, very helpful. Okay. Didn't they have to, like, That's pee good. somewhere for a while, and there was only a little bit of oil, but it lasted for eight nights, well, miraculously? Oh, that's good. Yeah, and that that's part of the story. You know the Hanukkah song? It's like, oh, Hanukkah, Hanukkah, let's light the menorah. 
dance around the table. We'll dance the whore. This is not how the song the first goes. First time I ever it, heard that Hanukkah song was on your Instagram story yesterday. Yeah, because I've been making Max sing it like all the time. It's it's a happy song, but there's eight Doesn't days. Have something to do with the the Maccabees? I don't know. We should uh, look it up. <laughs> Guys, this is bad. I know, man. This is bad. Our bubbies are really disappointed totally in us, Joey. All we know about is Santa. <laughs> well, this is a question, though, because I feel like I had, you know, my Jewish friends growing up tended to celebrate Christmas, at least nominally. Like, they got a tree, and they would do gifts. And I would sometimes hear them say things like, well, it's just that like Christmas is more fun. You get the tree and the presents. Like, is, does Hanukkah have presents? Eight days of presents. Oh, you do? More presents. Yeah, more, wouldn't that be... More presents. But I feel like my friends would get, like, not as, like, deluxe presents as us Christmas celebrating ones. But I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard this as well. <laughs> We need to. Did I consult Max? I'll Let me be call right my back. cousins. Joseph, uh, Joseph, what did you prefer growing up? Did you prefer? Uh, did you celebrate Christmas? I mean, you have like a Catholic Jewish uh, background, so you kind of have both, right? Well, we didn't celebrate Hanukkah, but my cousins did, and I remember thinking they had it better. But yeah, then they got all these rinky-dink toys and stuff, and I. No, I don't remember that, but I just remember it was like, you know, get it all in one day. Get it all in one day. Right. Um, getting like one present in one day is just not, it's not the same thing. I don't really know what I'm saying, but uh, I think that we, I think we had it better. They didn't but, have Santa also. But their dad was a, is a, still is a doctor, so they have a better life than me now. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've uh, I feel like I've come to better terms with the holidays over the past two years than I have in the other parts of my adult life. I think it's a function of having kids. Like I just don't have a choice. I can't be grumpy about it. I sort of have to get into it. So I feel like I've made like an effort to improve my attitude, and I just want to say that. <laughs> does anyone go to Does anyone go to like services? Like, no worship. On no. Christmas, my uh, my parents would love it if we did, but they're Catholic. But I don't uh, I don't do that. I can't. I'm too lazy, I'm disorganized. My, my, my dad's a preacher, so when I was growing up, Christmas was like the week when I went to church like seven times. Damn. <laughs> Wait, so Rachel, your dad your dad was a like what kind of preacher? What uh, what denomination? Presbyterian. Okay. John Calvin, baby. <laughs> if you rearrange the words of Presbyterian, it spells Britney Spears. Did you know that, Rachel? Everybody, I, I, guess. Did. I didn't know this. This is awesome. News. Wait, is is Britney Spears Presbyterian? No, but um, Jessica so. Simpson and Fred Rogers and Ronald Reagan all were. Oh wow! Wow, this is like full Wikipedia. <laughs> Are first Presbyterians big on hell? Do they talk about hell a lot? No, they're pretty chill. Um, like, not one of the more guilty, you know, brimstone Protestant sects, I would say. That's yeah. what I thought. Where is everybody spiritually right now? Like, uh, raise your hand if you're uh, atheist. Is anybody atheist? Tim Timothy in the front row. Gene, Richard, Shim, 
Ben Laurie. Uh, Leland is like so-so. Agnostic. Yeah, agnostic. Okay, I think I'm agnostic. Is anybody is anybody like fully into uh, like uh, Christmas in the in the religious sense of it, or or Hanukkah? In well, the there's got to be some middle ground. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder how QAnon people celebrate Christmas. <laughs> Very intensely, I feel like with with lots of children. Oh, they have a Q tree. Yeah, I found. Uh, I had a Gina friend and I of mine were once traveling through through Houston, and we passed an uh, Episcopalian church. And I don't know if you've ever seen the the logo for an Episcopalian church, but it's a it's literally a burning cross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which uh, we, we thought was funny. Wait, for anyway, real? I thought it was funny. Yeah, no. If you look yes. look it up, it's it's like a it's like a burning cross. Well, that's like a cross on fire. Yeah. They might have to do oh, a rebrand. So everyone in the clan is just Episcopalian. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, so, go ahead, go ahead, please. The Episcopalian has some weird traditions. They're like a mix between Protestant and Catholics, and they all Episcopal churches are supposed to have red doors for some reason too. And they're all in the clan. <laughs> this is this is worrying me because uh, my daughter goes to an Episcopal school. Like I'm not Episcopalian or anything. Right. What are they teaching her? Cancelled again. My impression is that Episcopalians were like chill Catholics. Yeah, that's what I thought. They like yeah, because they tell... let women be priests yeah. and they don't hate gay people. Yeah, and they don't venerate the Virgin either. There you go. So it's complicated. They just burn crosses. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, other religions, however, venerate the Virgin. Let me ask you guys, because many of you have been on this show before, uh, just to satisfy my own personal curiosity. After you guested on this on this program, did you then subsequently listen to your own episode? Does anyone want to admit to that, or have do you have any thoughts on on the experience of having been on the show and? What it's like once the episode goes live. Do you listen or do you just try to pretend I, it didn't happen? I I have some thoughts and I've been actually stewing on this for a while, Brad. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, when you interviewed me, it was a um, I, I thought you were going to ask me a bunch of questions about my book and I was super fucking nervous. Uh, but you didn't ask me anything <laughs> about my book and it turned into like it turned into like a therapy session. You were like. How do you feel about your father? <laughs> and I was just like, fuck, man, I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, I did. I listened to, like, ten minutes of it, and then uh, I, yeah. I turned it off because I hate the sound of my own voice. So. I'm the same, the same way. It. Like, maybe five minutes, and I'm like, ugh, I can't, hear, I can't listen to myself. Brad, I can listen to you all, all day, but myself, ugh. I can't listen I to lis- myself. I listened to mine and then just felt uncomfortable the whole time. I don't know what that says about me. I think yeah, it's my, it's natural, right? Did anybody listen to their own episode and enjoy it? <laughs> my girlfriend played it played it in like uh, like the morning that the episode came out. She listened to it in bed next to me. Uh, it was it was. I just felt stupid. I I have to run it by my wife. I just like have her listen to it, and I'm like, "Do I sound like an asshole or not?" And she she usually says I don't, so it works out. I got super super baked before I talked to you last time, Brad. So I just listened to the episode to make sure I wasn't super baked, and I was. And you. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird how that works. 
Uh, Richard, are you baked right now? No. No. <laughs> Richard's just a certified chiller all the time. Is anybody baked right now? Take I mean, Nobody. You... I'm on the clock. Okay, no, I'm yeah, just curious. I'm just curious. I'm, just curious. I'm, I'm very impressed. Lunch break as well. I'm, I'm impressed with the civility and uh, maturity of this group. I'm at a telehealth appointment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back stoned from that. Um, okay, we should say too uh, that Joseph's 27th birthday is coming up on the 20th of December. So we should wish Joseph Grantham an early happy birthday. 27 oh, is happy the... Happy birthday, Joey. Happy birthday, Joey. Happy birthday, Thank you. Happy birthday, Joey. Everyone say it. <laughs> happy birthday. Happy birthday, Joey. I'm glad to have met you in person. 20, yeah. uh, 27, 27, though, that's a, you know, this is a, this is a treacherous year. This is Janis Joplin, Jim, Jim Morrison, Jimmy Hendrix. Oh, no, Brad's going to freak Joey out. <laughs> oh. Isn't Jupiter and Saturn, aren't they aligning that day, too? On the 20th? Uh oh, Joey. Yeah, it's yeah, like a, it's, there's oh. like biblical uh, celestial things happening, Joseph, to mark your twenty seventh year. Yeah, it's I your Saturn's return. Um, I like. I went to the used bookstore down the street from my apartment yesterday, and uh, I bought a book from the guy. And I guess Ashley, my girlfriend, had bought some presents for me there. And the the guy at the counter was like, "I hear you have a birthday coming up," and I said, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. I'm turning 27, and he said, and then I said, you know, I guess if I if I don't die this year, I'll know I'm not a rock star. <laughs> and uh, the the guy said, well, you're always a rock star in my book. Aww. And then I left, <laughs> and it was like a awesome. It was like a really solid interaction. I feel like those interactions with the cool record store bookstore people sometimes they're hard, but. Uh, that was a good one. I like when there's a clean like I I call it the uh, perhaps. Uh, <clears throat> Perhaps it's the, a, a mischaracterization, but I call it the dismount. Like when you have like a clean, satisfying break to a small talk conversation like that. Do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I felt so cool leaving the store. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's he, a, I'm a rock star in his book. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> what did you get? Did you just like trash the place afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> I lit the book on fire and got on my knees and like uh, watched the smoke. Uh, I, I got, a, got some little novel, some little Welsh novel. All right, guys. I thought it. I thought it might be a nice idea uh, since we're all here together celebrating the holidays. If we wrote a poem together, one word at a time. If we went around the horn in this amphitheater, uh, like this virtual amphitheater arrangement that Skype has us in, and we just wrote. A poem <laughs> and i think it should have a holiday theme we'll theme it out it's got to somehow evoke something about the holidays and uh joseph we'll start with you in the back and we'll work down so it'll go can you guys see if you guys are seeing what i'm seeing it'll go joseph to leland and then to julia uh to richard to me to mick to ben do you guys get it no i don't yeah <laughs> megan you're last megan you're oh, okay, last cool yeah. So, Joseph, why don't you start us off? We're going to write a poem together quickly for everybody listening at home that evokes the holidays. Okay. Here we go. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> Joey's process. 
<laughs> I'm gonna put it in the chat. Uh, well, I'm the first word, so I'm gonna do the. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if it was like, do you go pronoun? Um, I'm gonna do sled. I'm gonna go with was. Oh, is it me? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do sixty points, eleven dribbles. <laughs> Wait, what is it? Sixty points, eleven dribbles. Is that a That's Clay? Right. Is that Clay Thompson? It's a Steve big word. Merry Christmas. Okay, let's see. Go ahead, uh, me. Oh, I'm gonna say the word and. That was my word. <laughs> you can still use it. Okay. Mick, Mick, it's your turn. Go ahead. Um, I'm going to say shocking. And. <laughs> Go ahead, Rachel. <laughs> Brave. This is, a, this is the most depressing holiday poem. Let's see. Go ahead, Timothy. And. <laughs> is it an and or is it an ampersand? Uh, horny. It's an ampersand. What did you say, Gene? Horny. Horny. And uh, Megan, will you uh, will you please bring this poem to its merciful end? Dude. <laughs> All right, uh, Joseph, could I have you recite the entire poem, please, before we move on? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the sled was 60 points, 11 dribbles, and shocking, and brave, and horny, dude. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah, that was wonderful. Actually, Let's all clap for that. Let's all give that some applause. Not an adverb in there. No commas. Um, you guys, I want to go over the Jeffrey Tubin Zoom masturbation scandal briefly. Oh, wow. Joey, you can you can go now. I feel I feel like uh, I've been I had a conversation about this actually last night uh, on a Zoom. It came up. I think it comes up in contexts like this where people are all talking in a group digitally. I was, I, you know, I didn't read a lot about it. I just sort of just got the gist. And my thought on it was, like, if the guy really didn't know that he was on camera <laughs> and he thought the meeting was over, then why did he lose like, his entire life? It was like a really humiliating error. Am I missing something? I have a, I have a thought about this, which is, like, I'm not going to say everybody has jerked off at work, but if you... Jerking off on the clock, I can't imagine being deranged enough to not do it in a room away from the webcam. Right. Like, if you're going to come on the clock, make sure that no one can witness it. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like egregiously <laughs> stupid. We have to give, we have to say that. It's like, in, like almost or impossibly dumb. Or he's into it. Or he's into it. There has to be some degree of, like, kinky sex pervert in there. No judgment on kinky sex perverts, but... He's an that... older guy, though. That doesn't matter. I mean, well, I feel no, like... Maybe, 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 <laughs> maybe he was like, I'm away from the we- webcam, like an ostrich he, with its head he in He got the busted. What's that? All busting. 
Wait, best so yeah, I can't. I mean, like, exactly. like I've been in meetings and not. I had to go to, and I've had to go to the bathroom, and like I, I will like turn off the can. Like I will turn everything off and put everything away. Like one time, I had my headphones in when I went to the bathroom, and I was scared shitless the entire time. I was so afraid that somebody was going to hear me pee. Yeah, I went through a phase where I even like had a piece of tape like over like I read something online where it's like they can hack your computer and watch you, and I was like, "Fuck that!" So I was like, "No one can see me." Like I, I'm paranoid about that. Not that I'm, you know, I'm just standing here using my uh, computer like a normal human being. But I feel like this stuff is, uh, you know, it's something people should have some awareness of and maybe he's just older and didn't get it or who like raise your hand if you think he was actually into it and was sort of perving out <laughs> All right. i don't know anything about it <laughs> I, I, I don't know, know enough, enough. about it really probably about as much information as you have i think like there's not enough plausible deniability you have to maybe be turned on by the fact that someone might be seeing it to do something that dumb all right. Could it have been a joke? I don't know. That he was like, oh. He's a goof. Hey, hey honey, get this. I'm goofing off. Man. Oh, shoot. The camera's on. Oh, oh. Well, my friend, was, uh, my friend was saying last night, like, there, there is, inter- like, for, from a writerly perspective, like, from the perspective of narrative and character, there is an interesting moment that unfolded, it seems. Like, this, this, this sort of, like, flash moment where Jeffrey Tubin. <laughs> After uh, jerking off and uh, finishing, then realizes that his camera was actually on. Like the confusion of the emotions <laughs> as a moment. Did he finish on the camera? I think he did. I don't know. That's what I would look like. And I mean, wow. that's the key question. Like, what, what, what is the moment like when you... Was there ejaculate? Yeah, was that? When there's ejaculate and you realize you've just completely destroyed your life. Like, it's just like this strange moment. You should change the name of your podcast to Ejaculit. That'll be like the spinoff show. That'll be the spinoff show. Um, Do you guys have uh, any idea what the word spurious means? False. (laughs) Means false. Damn, Ben. Nice. Good job. Nice. I was just I was just seeing who uh, who what had that eat? ready, and what do you eat on Christmas Day? Do you guys have a uh, planned meal or a traditional meal that you go to each and every year? Um, cookies. Just cookies said, all day. Wait, who said cookies? <laughs> who said cookies? Me, but I eat cookies every day. You do. So Christmas Day is no different. What kind of cookies do you eat? Do you have a favorite? Um, oh, you know what I really like are those black and white cookies. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to keep bringing our Jewish history into this. Is oh, Wait, are black and white cookies Jewish? Yeah. You can always get them at the Jewish... Yeah, they are. And you can get them, like, on um, that cookie... Joey, what's that thing, Zabar's, that you order cookies for people? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. they have like the Hanukkah special is like only black and white cookies, but some some of them are blue and white too. All right. Well, we had those in our house, oh, and then for the, the thing that I don't yeah. like are these these Christmas sugar cookies. Do you know what I'm talking about with like the sprinkles on them? Yeah, I'm anti. One in the ten. Bad cookies. They're not good. 
right? It turned to powder in your mouth. Yeah, why don't we just it's do really chocolate? I feel like cookies well, are... Cookies? Just chocolate are chip. Who? Chocolate chip or Oreos. That's all anyone ever needs. Or the I love a good cookies. sugar cookie. Oh, wait. There's Bud Smith. Hey, everybody. Hey, Bud. Bud. Hey, Bud. 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 And wait, uh, Timothy, are you checking out? Am I seeing messages that you're on, yeah, on your way out the door? Unfortunately, I have to go. But, Bud, uh, it's good to see your face if only for five seconds. I love all of you. Have a Merry Christmas, and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you soon. Hey, Timothy, I'm sorry, Bye, I'm sorry that I psychoanalyzed you on the Other People podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Let's hope we have an opportunity to do it again. Yeah, for it's sure. Man. Me out a lot, Brad. We <laughs> Tim, do a lot of issues. We had a breakthrough. We had a breakthrough. Tim, please don't go. Tim, please don't leave. <laughs> well, I want to see what happens. Me that. Is, that is that you, Bud? Yeah, please, please don't go. <laughs> hey, Bud. What, Bud, you got you, you you got me for five more minutes. Bud, right. Bud, where minutes. are you? Can you tell us where you are? Yeah, I'm in Jersey City at my uh, desk. I just got home from work. I was making uh, gasoline for Santa Claus's sled. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when did you guys stop believing in Santa Claus? What age? Uh, third that, grade for me. I was four. I was ten. Wow, okay. Like, so, yeah, I was nine. <laughs> do we know how we do we remember how we found out or like was it kind of like because I feel like it's kind of a gradual thing you sort of know and you pretend for a while even in that knowing like or, or did somebody break the news to you and shatter you my dad told us what how old were you That's five cool. five I would, I'd like to learn how you know the context you know I don't know my my parents were both kind of well, they claim to be agnostic, but they're atheists. And my dad came from a Jewish family, and but we had like a Christmas tree. I don't think he was very into it. I think he was just kind of confused by the whole idea of Christmas and by us asking about Santa all the time. So when I was five and my sister was six, he just said, you know, there's there actually is no Santa Claus. That's your mother and I. And we were like, oh. Well, no, because they... It does present as a parent a certain like moral quandary when your kids start asking you about it. You're like, what? I mean, I know it's like fun to have like a fantasy or whatever, but you're also completely lying to them. And yeah. I always just turn it back on them. I'm always like, so, you know, my daughter's like, is Santa Claus real? And I always just say, well, what do you think? And she says, yes. <laughs> it's like an actual question. I, yeah, I, 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 I just, wonder. She's 10 now. She's 10 now, and she's, she totally knows Santa Claus is not real, but she's... Yeah, she, I was going to say. She wants to have the magic. She wants the magic. And I, who am I to... You know, it's a hard world. Who am I to deny her that magic? Oh. Yeah, I'm sad we lost the magic. I, we could yeah, use I'm more Chinese. magic. Chinese. I, think I, I, like, refuse to lie to my kids about it. Like, I just... They'll ask me, and I'm like, I don't know. Do you, What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, you know, like just throw it back at him. It's the only escape. But uh, Megan, you you lasted until ten. Do you remember what happened? Yeah, I like had a pretty good feeling he wasn't real, and I like told my mom this one Christmas, my tenth Christmas, that I was gonna stay awake all night just to see if he was real or not. And she was like, "You don't need to do that. He's not real." <laughs> <laughs> And, and how did you respond? Like, what was your kid response? I was, like, honestly pretty sad because I really loved Santa. Yeah, yeah. He's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, so. 
My, uh, I think my... it's a huge mistake that Santa gets you the big present. Like parents giving their children the big present from Santa, just totally like. Then the kids are like, "Oh, yeah. well, fuck you! Santa loves me, you don't." <laughs> and so I started giving, I started giving my kids the big shit, and then like Santa just gets some bullshit. That sucks. It's not a bad strategy. That's how they do it in the McClanahan household. Santa brings like a Barbie doll. <laughs> Nice. Well, that's no, because it shifts the balance of power back to the parents. You know, I think that's not a bad strategy. Well, Nick, and it Nick also and I... seems like messed up that if your parents aren't rich, then Santa brings you a bad toy. Like, shouldn't Santa bring just like a regular toy to everybody? Yeah, I was going to say, I grew up really poor, so I don't think I ever believed in Santa. That was it. Oh. Like, you just didn't have big Santa Christmases. No. But that was cool. I. It got pretty real really quick, and I like that too. <laughs> well, how, <laughs> like, uh, did you have conversations about it? Like, Santa doesn't come here? Like, how did that even work? Uh, it's kind of like being in the, oh, how do I say this? It's kind of like the Scholastic uh, Book Fair, you know? It's like seeing all the kids get all those books, and then you realize you might get books too, but you don't. It's just kind of holding on to that a little bit. Richard, is there something that you dream about having for Christmas this year that I could get you? No, I'm good, Brad. You sure? I feel like I feel like uh, it would be nice if we all pitched in and made your dream come true or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, Make I don't. Make a wish, Richard. Make a wish. This is actually a pretty nice present already. It's good to see everyone's faces. Yeah, like yeah. let's talk about. I want to talk about uh, more pandemic-related experience because it is like I think a unique set of circumstances that we've all been living through, and uh, I think some people it's been like harder to be productive or harder to do stuff. Other people have been like hyper productive, and it's become a kind of mania or something. I'm curious to know like if you guys have a favorite book that you've read this year in quarantine has there been something that you found most memorable or useful and also why are these kinds of questions always so hard to answer even though you have an answer it's like hard to locate the answer these favorite questions i have an answer i'll answer it go ahead i i liked Sutri by Cormac McCarthy. I decided I would read all like the really macho man books um, alone in my apartment because um, when I work, when you work at a bookstore, your coworkers always ask you what you're reading, and it's kind of embarrassing if you're always reading like the the macho man books. So I, I wasn't going to work, so I was like, I better knock out some of these macho man books. Why is um, Sutri macho man? What is it? Just Cormac McCarthy. I feel right. like there's a lot of like. I don't need punctuation. I don't, this is muscular <laughs> prose. It'll just be like in that book, something will be happening where you're like, oh, this is cool. And then all of a sudden, someone just gets punched in the face or whatever. There's just a lot of like getting your ass kicked for no reason kind of stuff. <laughs> it's a good book, though. Yeah, it's a real good book. Um, who else? What else we got? I'm looking around I my office. I liked this book that Nicolette recommended to me called Angels and Saints. That's about Angels and Saints by, I think it's Elliot Weinberger. It might just be Weinberg. I can't remember. Cheeseburger. <laughs> All right, Ben. Ben, you read. You've probably read a hundred books this year. Is it, what stands out? No. Um, yeah. I, <clears throat> sorry, I had a 
I think I couldn't read shit this year. I just like totally collapsed, and I just watched horror movies for like six months. What's it? What's a good one? Um, well, I decided to watch every horror movie that came out this year. So there were there were a lot of movies, um, but the only one I actually really liked was called Relic. It's an Australian haunted house movie. Um, but this lady and her mom who go to the grandmother's house because the grandmother who was kind of early stages Alzheimer's has disappeared. And so they go out to stay in her house out in the country while the police are out looking for the grandmother. Who, who, dec- or who directed it? I forget her name. It's an Australian director. Oh, okay. I think this is her first movie. Didn't didn't M Night Shyamalan do a similar kind of horror movie where kids go stay with like grandparents at like a psychiatrist? Yeah, it's, okay. it's terrible. It's terrible. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Well, I will say, book wise, um, I read a lot of short stories this year because for a while I was reading stories every day at the beginning of the pandemic on Instagram and the. I miss those. Yeah, me too. They were fun. Uh, it was like a lot of reading to get ready for those. But my favorite collection that I found that way was uh, The Ice at the Bottom of the World by Mark Richard. Okay. Nice. I think I remember you telling me about that, or I, somehow that rings a bell. Yeah, probably. I told everybody about it. Okay. Yeah. Bud, what about you? Oh, man. I, I, read, some, uh, I read some books I didn't... Kind of feel like I was like daydreaming through them. I don't know. I read, I just read The Inferno. That was all right. It's like, I, I like, I was reading Ben's Goodread review of it. And it's like uh, a trip through a museum of shit that sucks. Uh, that's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> you just go from attraction to attraction of like, crappy stuff. Uh, Who else? What, what other books are right, there? But, uh, that I read this year? Let's see. I read, uh, I read Bleak House. That was fine. That was like Downtown Abbey. Uh, I like Absalom, Absalom. That was cool. Faulkner. Uh, he's, you know, great guy. Great guy. Bring him back so we can kill him again. Um, I, I did like The Master and Margarita. I read that this year. That was that was really good. And I just read Blood Meridian, which was... Uh, I liked it a lot. That's a macho. Another yeah. macho book. Macho. Yeah. I think it's interesting that uh, this tendency toward macho books in quarantine, like what's the psychodynamics at work there? Well, Here's the thing. well sorry. Well, I'll just say what I'll say real quick is at work, the guys always ask me what I'm reading and I'll be, I'll have the book there and they'll be like, what's that erotica? And I'll be like, <laughs> No, this is beloved by Toni Morrison. This isn't erotica, and, and I'll explain what it's about or whatever. But like, uh, it's nice to read like a book that like my coworkers might be interested in. I'm like, oh, this is a book about genocide, and uh, you know, and they're like, oh, they, they perk up. You know? <laughs> Megan, what about you? What did you read this year? Anything that stands out? Yeah, I've been taking this uh, seminar with the Philadelphia Association for Jungian Analysts, which is something you do before training to become a Jungian analyst, which is like way down the line for me. So I'm mostly reading like academic Jungian articles and books. But if anyone's curious about that, Murray Stein's Map of the Soul is a great introduction Interesting. <laughs> to Jungian stuff. How, f- how far away are you from becoming uh, 
a youngie. Oh, Rachel said you thought you were taking a seminar with the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> I don't know why. Damn. I thought that's how that sentence was gonna end. I wish, man. Wait, what was the name of the book again? It's called uh, Jung's Map of the Soul. Jung's Map of the Soul. By Marie Stein. All right. Would anyone else like to weigh in on books of 2020 in quarantine? Actually, like, yeah, um... I, try, I tried to read oh, more of Richard Hugo. Oh, you go. Okay. <laughs> I tried to read more this year. Um, and I like just went and looked at my list. There are two that I, that I finished in one day. Um, and one was call me by your name, which I had not seen the movie. And the other one was the diving bell and the butterfly, which I had seen the movie. And I liked both of those enough to finish them in one day. Damn. Okay. I'm I'm too scared to do the diving bell and the butterfly for some reason, like the movie or the book. I'm such a pussy, but I just like it. Just seems like terrifying. It, it made me cry twice in like the two hours it took me to read it. But I I watched a lot of French language movies this year because I'm trying to get better at the language. How are you doing? Um, okay. My husband's mom complimented it, which she doesn't um, give like fake compliments that was a big moment for me <laughs> wait your husband's french yeah he's from uh basque country oh okay that's uh, why i got the fancy new last i'm trying to think of what i read that like i that i don't keep a list and i should um but i read uh the book want by lynn steger strong is really good i just read this biography of alan ginsburg called dharma lion that i liked um what else did I read? I, I, you know, there's so many books. I just finished the Sarah book by Scott McClanahan. Shout out to Scott McClanahan. Nice. Um, yeah, so many. But I, I think I feel like I read and wrote more this year than I have in past years. I don't know exactly why. What are you writing? I finished a novel in the first part of the year. I finally finished my novel, and uh, that's like out on submission, like you know, trying to find a home, and then. Ooh. Uh, I'm working the on the, the titles. Be brief and tell them everything. That's right. Nice. And then uh, I'm working on a book about the the last four months of the year, basically the Trump presidency. I'm basically actively live blogging in the in the Boylan. What do we call it? The Boylesque tradition. <laughs> um, I'm trying to. I've been trying to keep like a meticulous log of the news cycle and my personal domestic life i started the tuesday after labor day and i'm going to go to inauguration day and uh it's called tentatively notes from the fall and it's i just want to document this for my kids so they can know what a shit you know shit show it was it was Uh, wild yeah that's the idea i have no idea what it's going to look like it's such a big mess there's like more than like more than four hundred thousand words to go through of, of my own and then i've been keeping a log of like every breaking news story as well and i've got to like read through it all so it feels overwhelming but we'll see that sounds good yeah we'll see um do you guys uh do you guys feel like you spent money in a stupid way this year that uh stands out did you buy did you make some sort of like emotional purchase or impulse you know, impulsive buy that you would like to comment on. I 
Bought a lot of rice. <laughs> Brown or white? Both. Wide variety of rices. Okay. Yeah. I bought some clothes that I knew I would not wear for a long time. Like what? I bought like a really cute dress and then I made Scott take pictures of me in the backyard, but then I didn't post the pictures to Instagram. Why not? For some reason. <laughs> That's like a tree falling in the woods. Yeah, like if you take a bunch of, or you make your spouse take a bunch of pictures of you and you don't post it online, do they truly exist? Okay, wait, you know what? You're making me think of what I did, clothing-wise. Like, I have been wearing sweatpants all year like everybody, and I think when you get acclimated to living like this, like jeans, like blue jeans feel like intolerably uncomfortable to me. And by the way, I should give a shout-out to Gene Morgan, who set me on this trail. With your love of uh, sweatpants. Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, Which is strange because your name is Jeans. Jeans. There we go, Ray. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, no jeans. But no, I, uh, I, I, I basically was like, I made some sort of weird like decision with all this conviction. I was like, I'm just, I'm done with jeans. I'm not going to wear blue jeans anymore. They're uncomfortable. Like everybody who's wearing them is living a lie. Like this is some sort of agreed upon thing culturally and it's dumb because they're actually they feel like burlap or something and i uh yeah i, I mean if you're doing like manual labor they're totally useful like you right. gotta be out you're on your knees on the concrete hammering stuff i don't know yeah um, you're like panning for gold <laughs> or, but yeah, i uh i was like what are some pants that i could wear that would be like acceptable in a work context but would be like super comfortable in the manner of sweatpants and yet would not require, like, constant ironing and laundering and all this stuff. So I wound up buying all of these, like, pants that are, like, slacks, but they're actually sweatpants. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's this new hybrid happening. <laughs> and they're all so bad. And I'm, like, trying them on and, like, showing them to my wife. I'm like, are you fooled? Do, do I look, like, acceptable? And she, you know, just none of them are good. You look like Aladdin. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I look like like yeah, like some sort of like uh, leprechaun in khakis or something. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's bad. Dockers makes uh, pants that have like a, like spandex and elastic in them, and, and you put them on, and they like are completely stretchable. You can do like Jean Claude Van Damme split <laughs> kicks and everything. These things and is anybody like, <laughs> is anybody besides like Gene is anybody on. besides Gene on board with this notion of uh, comfort over? style yes oh yeah yes. i haven't oh, yeah. and i think i have like three pairs of sweatpants that i've been wearing rotating like for the entire year okay i okay. had someone stop me in the street and tell me that he was like he admired that i was like leaving the house and what i was wearing because <laughs> that, I, that i had the courage to leave my house he was like, I respect that. <laughs> and I'm not joking, that really did happen I'm wearing joggers, which I think is just another word for sweatpants. I'm pretty sure, but yeah. they're technically called joggers. What what distinguishes like more the joggers? I think the I think the ankles go in more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I think that like it's fine to to want a a fit. You know, it's. I'm not saying you have to go get like the old school like gray sweatpants that you used to get back in like the day. But if you want those, that's fine. But I think uh, I think it's okay to want a. <laughs> A little uh, like flair, Joseph. What are you doing? I... Do you have an animal? Is that a cat? <laughs> I have my little baby girl cat here. Oh, She's okay. back. <laughs> Somebody else had something to say about this. Do we want to? Do we have a closing oh. thought on sweatpants, or are we moving well, on? The weird, weird thing is, like with jeans, like you wear them once a month, so it's like the month monthly jean. 
wear. You wear it like once or twice when you go out. <laughs> go out. So I just have this pair of jeans that's just been sitting out. I'm like, oh, I can put this on any time. And for the two, three times a week. They're like horribly uncomfortable after you've been in yeah. sweatpants constantly. I just, I don't know. I can't take it. So, uh, favorite Christmas movies. Anybody have like strong thoughts on the best Christmas movie? No. No one cares. I like uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I know John Hughes is problematic now, but I've always been a fan, fan of that movie. John Candy. Yeah. Those aren't pillows. I like uh, I like Elf, the Will Ferrell. That's good. Yeah. I feel like that's a good yeah, one. Elf's good. Makes me happy. Uh, I think it's more fun too. Like I, it's fun to watch them with my kids. Like that's, you know, I can get more into it at that level. Yeah. I like uh, the Simpson like Christmas episodes. Wait, I'm rewatching a bunch of like old Simpsons episodes, especially the Christmas ones. Okay, I didn't even know. I'm not like I'm not uh, encyclopedic on the Simpsons, but they have like they do like an annual Christmas episode. I don't know if they do it every season, but I know like in season six, there's one where Bart like shoplifts a video game, and it's really good. Oh yeah, I just rewatched Bone that. Storm. Exactly. <laughs> Gene knows. I fucking knew it. But yeah. It... <laughs> Anybody else have a Christmas movie take? I watched It's a Wonderful Life, but this was like months ago and I hadn't seen it before. And then I cried a lot, and that was fun. Yeah, that's a good. You can't you can't go wrong with that one. I still haven't seen that. And also, the other day I realized I've never seen uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. I don't even know what the miracle is. It's like it's like <laughs> takes place at like a department store, or Santa Claus, but the Santa Claus is real. Isn't that right? Or Isn't I... he a drunk too? Maybe. <laughs> no, that's not a miracle. Not a miracle. <laughs> what is your? We're going to close, I think, with New Year's resolutions. It feels like a natural uh, terminus. Like I, I know probably most of us don't even make these, or maybe we do, but we don't admit to it. Does anybody have a strong, succinct, pre-planned New Year's resolution ready right now? I do. I do. Okay, go ahead, Megan. Megan, go. Okay, so last year it was to do one push-up, and I didn't do it this year, so I'm just going to do it next year. <laughs> <laughs> I can should I, I can admit something embarrassing. I was listening to uh, a Howard Stern interview with Alec Baldwin. I was like walking my dog listening to Howard Stern interview Alec Baldwin, and Alec Baldwin and Howard were like talking about fitness. And Alec Baldwin was like, hey, you know, Pete Davidson told me that the key to fitness is doing 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups a day. And and he's like, and then they were like, like Robin Quivers was like, why are you listening to, why are you talking about fitness with Pete Davidson? And <laughs> then it got into this whole discussion of how Pete, da- Pete Davidson looks great and he's dating all these beautiful women and... Alec Baldwin's got this wife who's like 30 years younger than he is and he's trying to stay fit for her and all this kind of stuff and um, th- I'm very susceptible to this sort of information like if someone's like you know red wine is good for your heart and dark chocolate like is good for you like I will internalize that and I will eat dark chocolate over milk chocolate and red <laughs> wine over white wine and so then I was like I am like obsessively trying to do 100 push ups and 100 sit ups every day and I have to say I feel pretty good. <laughs> like maybe- Push-ups are good, though. Yeah. Like, they, like, do a whole lot of things on your body, not just your arms. Right. Like, why... It's just, who needs, like, weights? Like, just do... Use your own body weight. Do some uh, resistance <laughs> exercise. 
You have that. I like the last pushup too when you have to like grunt. I it's, it's really good at the last pushup. I can't do. I do twenty five at a time, and I don't do all a hundred at, at once. It's like spread out over the course of the day. That's my strategy. I'm not that strong. I do like. Do you have like a mat by your computer? No, dude. I just I just drop down to the floor, army style. Yeah. To do them do them during the plot. I, I like how intently Megan's listening. I think she's plotting her next year. <laughs> <laughs> she's talking to the right guy. It's the Pete right. Davidson. It's the Pete Davidson method. Spreading it out. Need to listen to Howard Stern more often. I the interviews are pretty good. Uh, I like like when I'm walking the dog at night. I will often listen to those. I was listening to uh, him interview George Clooney the other night or last night, and George Clooney was talking about uh, his wife Amal, who's like this like glamorous human rights lawyer, like do-gooder, like you know, super sophisticated and successful. And and then George has this like you know fancy kind of like Hollywood life, and George was like, you know, our life is like. Bora Bora to Tora Bora. And I was like, how many times? You guys don't even understand the reference. Like, Tora Bora is like no. this mountain pass in Afghanistan, um, you know, where the Taliban hang out. And Bora Bora is like this fancy island. But anyway, it just, I was like, how many times has he made that joke? Was what crossed my mind. I guess uh, he, is he Bora Bora and she's. Yeah, he's Bora Bora. That's exactly what I mean to say. George is Bora Bora, and then Amal is Tora Bora. Um, That's it. Should be the opposite. What? He should be a badass. <laughs> Agree. And Agree. Be, step into the war canyon. You know what I mean? Hey, well, you know they balance each other out. Man um, of the people. Who else has a New Year's resolution? Anybody? I do. Mine's been the same for like the past three or three years. Uh, it's but it's kind of corn, cornally serious. Um, try to give people more compliment, compliments, like genuine compliments, and uh, try to spend one minute every day being grateful, just like making a mental list of stuff I'm glad about. Yeah, I like that. And, you know, uh, again, like I will rejoin with like some embarrassing like personal confessions, like, I find myself often imagining having conversations with people, either friends or acquaintances or even celebrities. Like I will even go through like imagine I'll catch myself doing this. Like I don't even realize that I'm doing it, but I will, I think it's like working out some kind of social anxiety or trying to imagine myself like doing a good job of t talking to people. <laughs> I don't know if anybody <laughs> ever does this, but the point that I want to make is that like an easy go-to fallback position is to give compliments. I don't know why I don't remember that. Like instead of like trying to think of something smart to say, just say something nice about somebody. Everybody likes a compliment. Yeah, an important component of the resolution is that they have to be real compliments. Right. Yeah, right. you can't just bullshit people. Ben, did you have did you have something to say, Ben? No. <laughs> does anybody else have imaginary conversations with people that they're willing to confess to i have fights yeah, with like my right-wing students in my head but i never get into them in real life yeah i do that too i win debates in my head all the time which i don't know i think I, that says maybe not great things about me i get into it with my dad all the time in my head who's very conservative 
Yeah. He just like lives rent free in my head all the time. Constantly. <laughs> which do, which doesn't work well when I talk to him now because then it just all comes out. You know, we don't have a good relationship right now. It's hard, man. Well, it's I, tough. I have a uh, I have a friend from high school that is a buddy of mine, like a lifelong pal, and he texted me this morning and he's like, "This is interesting." And it was the Twitter feed of like the greatest guy we went to high school with, and it's like QAnon, like crazy Whoa. conspiracy theory. And I'm just like, no, it's like it's actually like a, it's like a grand tragedy. And I feel oh, like what I said crazy. was, I feel like there's going to be a reckoning at some point. There just simply has to be. It could be bad reckoning, but if it's a, a quote unquote good reckoning, and people eventually emerge from this darkness and realize that they've been had that they've been sort of conned into believing conspiracy bullshit that the psychodynamics or the emotional dynamics of that experience will probably be similar to like almost like getting sober or like snapping out of like I also compared it to like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when short round like burns Indiana Jones on the chest with the torch <laughs> You guys know what I'm talking about? Where he's like trying to yeah, snap, he's yeah. like trying to snap him out of it, but like I just don't understand how. Like, what's where's going to be the breaking point? Like, when are people going to come back from this sort of uh, zombie trance? Anybody I'm have any? Still ideas? getting told to like stockpile food and like, you know, that things aren't what they seem, and you know, the oh, I got, I heard uh, every it's a total everything's made up. Like hospitals are really empty. Wow. And right. okay, here's that. here's what's interesting. Uh, is your dad in Texas? Yes. So and this is... isn't from my dad either. This is from other family. Members. Oh, okay. I was just gonna say because my friend is in Texas. I don't know if Texas, if there's like a geographic component, if these conspiracy theories are like festering in a certain geographical region. You know, I guess it would make sense oh. that it would be like socially reinforced. Yeah, I mean that seems like the thing that goes rampant in Texas. Like people just. They kind of like talk, and it's, you know, for us, we're all on the internet, right? And so, like, we read things on the internet, and we're like, oh, well, other people, they're reading these conspiracy theories on the internet, but they're not. They're getting them from, like, the dude at the donut shop, or, you know, it's like, they spread offline, which is really frightening. Like, really? the the people, yeah, people are, like, reading them online, and then they take them into their community and spread them there. Damn. I feel like it's Facebook. I don't know. I feel like everyone's just sharing weird shit on social media and these like sort of closed loops. Um, so who else has a uh, uh, New Year's resolution? Anybody? Mick, come on. Do you have a New Year's resolution? I always try to think of something, but I feel like every New Year's I just make sure to eat my black eyed peas because I'm superstitious. <laughs> And I just think, well, I did this. I think this year will be just fine. Where did that come from? The Black Eyed Peas are a good luck. What's the origin of that? Know. It yeah. came from the band, the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> <laughs> well, last year we couldn't find any, and I had like a freak out, and then look what happened. Right? Okay. So well, maybe there's... We finally some... got to the bottom of it. Yeah, so I think they work, and I'm going to make sure I get them this year. But, Joseph, what about good. you? What's your uh, what's your New Year's resolution for 2021? I don't have one really, but I guess maybe I decided I would read a bunch of like really difficult books, like, so that I don't know, so that um, when I die, 
they will all go poof from my head. What what constitutes what constitutes a difficult book? Uh, just like a big fat, big 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 books. Give me an example. Give I don't me know. An... Yeah, what are you talking about, Joey? Uh, like like uh, the recognitions by William Gaddis. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like you a know, big book. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I just I feel like I read a lot of short books and I just forget them all. So maybe I should try reading big long books so I could forget those too. <laughs> Does anybody here have an incredible memory? What? No. Like, like, do you remember what you read, or does like this phenomenon of like forgetting essentially what you've seen and read fairly quickly after it's done plague us all? I have an exceptionally bad memory. Who said that, Julia? Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. I feel this. I feel like kind of self conscious about how bad it is. Anybody else, Ben? Why do I feel like you would remember shit? I feel like you have like the brain that holds stuff. I, you know, I used to, and then it broke, and now I can't remember anything. <laughs> I can remember everything that happened like thirty years ago, but like I won't remember this. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone's going to actively try to black this out. I think we can all agree on that. Um, but you guys, in all honesty, uh, it's nice to see a group of faces after this weird, like, cloistered year. I feel like I. Whoa. I'm hearing sirens. That's interesting. That's just Jersey City. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, no, I feel like I probably should have been doing more of this. I had a Zoom call last night with some friends where we were, you know, breaking down the Jeffrey Tubin debacle. And then I did this today. And these are probably the only, you know, there's a very small handful of, like, group Zoom calls that I've done or Skype calls that I've done all year. And I wish I would have done it more often. This has been fun. Yes. Yeah, it's been great. Yes. Um, Can we... Can you Thanks, ask Brad. one more question, Brad? Yeah. What would you like me to ask, Joseph? Um, uh, the first, the the second question I sent you, would you rather uh, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a, the, a villain? And ask, I want an answer from everybody. I'm curious. Okay. So wait, can you restate the question, please? So... Everybody, I want to know, would you rather die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain? I already see myself as kind of a villain. So, I mean, I think that we all have a, a villainous aspect of ourselves and a hero. So, uh, I think just keep trucking. Just keep trucking it out. See what happens and maybe not think of... It is being an either or, but more of like a both and. That's very Jungian, I feel like. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Go ahead, bud. Uh, yeah, die a villain. Because uh, uh, I'd like to become very old. Right, right. I feel like if you, if you have to die a hero, you, you have to die early. And that seems, yes. that can seem unappealing, yeah. but glorious. Uh, I Gene? Like to be very, very old. Hero, I'll take death. <laughs> do you have a preferred method like of going out like in glory like is it uh fiery i don't know it could be like pushing a kid out from in front of a car or something and i get hit by the car that, that's fine just something me. easy yeah yeah <laughs> right? just something casual up, in traffic casual yeah. 
Uh, Rachel. Uh, I'd like to live a long time. So you want to go down Is that as a villain? One of the options. Yeah, yeah, but you <laughs> yeah, have. Sure, yeah. I think you have to become the villain, and I don't know exactly what that looks like. You know, like what is it? Yeah, it seems nebulous enough that I could just be like villain to myself. So I'll do the one where I get to be old. Yeah, it's interesting to think about like this idea of living. It, like, if you live long enough, you would like to think that you would eventually, like, as a matter of trial and error, eventually sort of quote unquote get life right and kind of master it as well as one can master it, and you'd be heroic in that regard. But maybe the longer you live, <laughs> the more it just unravels, and you just eventually resign yourself to villainhood or something. Is that what you were getting at I there, Joseph? <laughs> yeah, I just have a lot of like deep thoughts in my head, and sometimes it's good to get them out of my head and actually share them with people. <laughs> Uh, ben, what, what are, where do you fall on the hero-villain <laughs> spectrum? I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I gotta go with hero. I don't know. It's hard to accept that you're gonna turn into a villain, so I feel like the real answer is to say, live long enough to be a villain and then just don't become one, but <laughs> if it has to happen, then I think hero is the right choice. You know, I mean, this is a tiresome question. I mean, I don't, also, I don't know how much more of this I can take just in general. So maybe hero is best because you go out sooner. I don't know. Let's make this stop. Nick, where, where, where do you stand? I don't know. I don't want to die, but I feel like if I die a villain, then I'm going to be sad. So... I want to keep my friends. So I'll die a hero. Yeah, I feel... I don't want to die alone. I don't want to die. I just don't want to die, so... <laughs> you, and, you and your brother have that in common. I We do. Joe, yeah, we do. I always make fun of Joey, but then I'm like, well, I don't want to die either, so... Yeah, it's not appealing. It runs in the family. What <laughs> I, I feel, don't like it. I feel like I have... We're uh... so unique. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like I have to go with hero. I think I don't think I could. I think I would. It just seems too bleak to to die a villain. I, I feel like you have to be willing to make the sacrifice within the framework of this question, and you have to be. Well, willing. You're like, how bad of a villain would you? Yeah, have you're. Like, a could you just own like fossil fuel stock? <laughs> like a lot of fossil fuel stock. This is a question for Joseph. I feel like the villain is a more extreme form of villain i think he was thinking in like you know kind of storybook terms or am i wrong yeah just like you just know, like a landlord blowing up hospitals and stuff bad like super bad oh yeah <laughs> blowing up hospitals. <laughs> so, guys i'm sorry i'm just talking about the dark night <laughs> richard richard where do you fall on the, the hero villain longevity question I'm just on a search for deep inner peace, Brad. How are you doing on that search? Where Where do you... I, I feel like I am too, and I fluctuate in terms of my self-evaluation. As of right now, I feel really good with it. Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm serious. Like, what, what is it? What is happening that is making you feel good? Are, are you doing something in your life that is leading you to feel this way, or is it just you just hit, like, a good spot cosmically for reasons unexplained? 
It's similar to that, what Rachel said in her resolutions. I think I've just been more... I think lately I've been more intentional, more present than I've ever been. And it's just like doing little work to kind of... Yeah. I think because the pandemic has caused, as you know, distance between folks, I've been trying to make up that gap with just being intentional. And I think doing that work has somehow... Yeah, I feel I feel pretty good. It's fucking rough, but I also feel uh, well equipped. Um, yeah, but in regards to Joey's question, I don't think it matters. I think as long as you're happy. But yeah, that's a fun, absurd question. When did The Dark Knight come out? Like 2006? Something like I think that. 2008. 2008. Yeah, something like that. A masterpiece of the genre. Yeah, because they're all the like anti Obama uh, pictures with the Joker's face. Oh, really? That's okay. Right. Um, Julia. <laughs> I want some examples of this question because who became a villain later? Joseph, answer this, please. All right, all right, okay, okay. Um, I got this. Um,. Well, I don't know. Okay, Ronald Reagan. He's just an actor. He grew up. Uh, he grew up. Uh, parents were Democrats. They were Democrats. Not that Democrats are good these days or were ever good, but they were working class people, good people. Look what that guy turned into. You don't want to be Ronald Reagan. Josh well, I don't want to be. I don't want to be Ronald Reagan. But like George W. <laughs> I mean, he started okay, and then he became a villain, and now it seems like people don't hate him as much. I don't want to be George W. either, so I guess I'll just pick a hero and die. <laughs> Go out. Uh, Leland? I mean, I think I'd want to live long and be a villain. I mean, I think uh, you see it a lot as, uh, you know, even if you are a villain, you can rationalize to yourself that you're the hero, and that's what I think I would probably do, you know, in my <laughs> old age. I'd be like, ah, I did my best. You know, yeah, what are I these think, people talking about? I think, yeah. uh, Megan, I, I'm glad that you're on this track to become a Jungian psychoanalyst. Like, because I really do think we need, like, it's going to take a massive human group effort to try to um, uh, provide therapy and insight to, like, uh, maybe all of us, but it's certainly a large swath of humanity. I'm like, I think one of the weirdest and most troubling aspects to the past four years, but this year in particular, has been to observe the degree to which people can delude themselves. Yeah. Uh, like it's a staggering, I, I guess it may be, I, I knew this was the case all the way along, but I feel like this year has made me realize that like the, the human capacity for it is like way, way larger than I realized. I also think it's become more obvious that it's a coping skill this mm. year for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because it's in response to something. I don't know, Megan, if this speaks to you at all, or do you have any professional opinion on this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'm just like sort of interested in it now, and yeah. uh, Leon just said about if you are the villain, you probably think you're the hero. So right. I think that's like an easy mental trap for anybody to get in, regardless of time period so, so may me a lot to... maybe we're all are we all deluded is like is it impossible to not be deluded i guess we're all living in some degree of delusion as just like a function of the human condition hmm. sounds good 
That's right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Joseph, uh, let, finish this off. Let's put us. Let's put us all, all out of our misery. Hero or villain? Uh, see. I mean, I would probably say hero, but think uh, live long enough to become the villain. Um, it's kind of like. No, I, I'm sorry. I don't know. I shouldn't have asked that question. <laughs> Strike it all. Strike it all. Yeah, it's Guys, a very... can I just say, uh, I made a lot of jokes, um, but this is the holiday special, and I want to say I'm really grateful to be in this, in this room with you. Um, I think you're all really great people, and uh, you make me laugh, and uh, I raise my glass of warm almond nog to all of you yeah does anybody else have any closing thoughts or do we end on that note i mean happy holidays to everybody uh in this little virtual room and also happy holidays to everybody listening at home uh i appreciate it uh, i hope i think you guys appreciate it as well <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. so yeah happy holidays cheers be well take care of yourselves and we'll see you in 2021, right? Yeah. Smell you later. All right, guys, there you go. That's the holiday spectacular for the year 2020. We did it. It's the final episode of 2020. I'll be back again in the new year. The next new episode will air, I believe, on... Let's see here. January 6th. So, uh, otherwise, I hope you're healthy and happy. And if you're not healthy and happy, I hope you get well and feel better. I always feel weird about the holidays. I don't know, maybe I'm overdoing it, but I just feel like the holidays put such an onus on, every, on everyone to be uh, happy and some people aren't. And maybe the holidays underscore the disparities between people. And it's just, you know, life's hard enough. But I get it that the holidays are a good time to get together and to celebrate and put some lights up. You know, I'm trying to get, I don't know, into a place of uh, equilibrium about it. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the holiday spectacular. I thought it might be nice to close with uh, another poem from my buddy Rich Ferguson, the poet laureate of the state of California, the beat poet laureate of the state of California. Why not, right? Here's Rich performing his poem called Blueprint for a Better World. How does that sound? Okay. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. 2021. Can we just have a better year next year? Can we? Here's Rich Ferguson. Blueprint for a better world. Cars will run on palms, prayers, and the courage of sojourner truth. All guns and assault weapons transformed into high-powered Pez dispensers. The NRA has changed its name to the NEA. Birdhouses will be built atop gravestones, gardens planted in the hearts of the lonely. Lightning bug halos for everyone. 
Earthquakes, tornadoes, and tsunamis take anger management classes. Dogs and cats call a lasting truce. Rainbows donate their colors to the severely depressed. There'll be a cross-fertilization of dreams, free speech, and the almighty dollar. A new currency we can exchange through lip lock. In Utopia's dance hall, we'll be non-stop bump and grind music. An exhilarating, hectic, electric flowing through our veins when we touch radios, light bulbs, and guitar amps. They'll come alive. There'll be dependable road signs along the highways of our minds. Clarity and foresight will be dressed in easy-to-spot polka dot blazers placed at every entrance and exit ramp to ambivalence and obscurity. All mirrors will reflect power, inner beauty, our sweet cheek, moon eye, push-button perfection. The very air we breathe will never be used against us in the court of life. All our burdens and regrets, paragraphs of scattered thoughts, we'll edit one another down until we're naked and radiant, our glowing bones, the blueprint for a better world. All right, there you go. Rich Ferguson, Blueprint for a Better World. That comes from the collection Everything is Radiant Between the Hates due out in January. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next year. <laughs>